Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this, like most of the country, is a very cold User-Friendly 2.0. More on that in a little bit. Welcome to this week's show, Bill Gretchen. Welcome. Hello. Hello there. So I guess, uh, at least up here in Oregon, we're understanding the idea of uh, cold weather a little bit better. We just came out of this ice storm. I've been through ice storms before, but this one was, I think, a little more intense than some. And it wasn't a snowstorm. It was really an ice storm. So it's we got through still, it with... Still icy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, uh, fortunately, looking at our weather forecast, we don't go back below freezing, at least any time in the long term, the 10 days. So the ice will go away. But... Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of uh, people are experiencing this right now. So to anybody out there that's dealing with this kind of weather, stay warm, stay safe, and uh, be careful. And boy, do we understand. Anyway, Bill, not a great show for you this week, uh, Gretchen? I couldn't make it to the mailbox. Yeah, I know. I know. It just <laughs> it was. I, I walked outside, and it's, it looks like there's snow on the ground, and my... um. My feet didn't make footprints in the snow. It was really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway. Anyways, I was saying we got a great show for you this week. Uh, we're going to be talking CES in the next segment. CES, for anybody that doesn't know, is the Consumer Electronics Show. It's held at the beginning of the year in Las Vegas every year and talks about new products and things that are coming out. And a lot of, um, I don't know, it was different this year a little bit. Jazz got there to go see it, got an interview. He's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about that in some detail. We also have an interview coming up from a organization called Prairie Fire, which is a really kind of unique take on the idea of a shooting range. And they have some stuff that's high tech and interesting and they do special events. So we've been able to get them for an interview next segment as well. we'll talk a little bit about what they have to offer. They have a special event coming up that I believe starts tomorrow. But there's a lot of other things that are going on during the year, too. So it's definitely something. It's kind of interesting. And if you want to get any of the detailed information on any of our guests, uh, we put it out on our social media. It's also put out on our website, which is userfriendly.show. And that's the one-stop thing for everything user-friendly. And if you have a question, we've gotten a few in because we forgot to put something out on social media from last week. It's a good place to ask it, and then we will be happy to answer you and then remember that we forgot to do that. So it happens sometimes. But anyway, userfriendly.show, we love to hear from you. What do we have in the news this week? ESPN apologizes for Emmy entries won with fake names. Okay, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, come on. Wow. <laughs> uh, apparently, they had to return more than 30 of the statuettes because of this. That's crazy. And uh, the network has said the ploy was a misguided attempt to recognize on-air talent that were not eligible for certain categories. The awards were reportedly re-engraved with the real name of the on-air personalities. The Sports Network has apologized. Um, well, okay. I don't think I need to say too much more than that. That's just weird. <laughs> yeah. The city is sending a message into space asking aliens to visit. You know, I've had the privilege for the last two years of um, being the president of my local chamber of commerce, and part of that is our visitors' authority. And even during COVID, when visits are off, we didn't think about going this route, but perhaps it is an interesting way to go. They even got the approval of the FAA to do this. Okay, so, what city is it? Uh, Lexington, Kentucky. 
Oh, okay. And uh, so Lexington's Convention and Visitors Bureau created an extraterrestrial's guide to the city. Now, what's in this is kind of interesting. It contains prime numbers and the elephants, elephants, elements of life. There we go. As we know it, uh, breakdown of water. Um, but then they also go into what's contained in bourbon uh, and a variety of other things. So it's a <laughs> definitely, I've heard. Come here, get know, drunk. <laughs> yeah. You know, perhaps they need to open a nitrous bar, like at the dental office. You know, they can, out. I'm just, just, just saying, just saying. But um, anyway, uh, they figure it'll take about 38 years for the message to reach its interstellar destination which was beamed at an Earth-like planet that is nearby, if that's considered nearby. And uh, the cover on this, the cover art for it is three saucer ships uh, with the caption, hey, aliens, look at Lexington and a horse uh, on grass. So, hey, you know, we'll have to see. This will be kind of interesting. And if we do get off-world visitors, I think that'd be kind of cool. Maybe we can get an interview with them. NASA announces supersonic airplane that does not create a sonic boom. I remember hearing those as a kid. I don't know if you guys ever did, but those were intense. I grew up in the bombing range area. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, it got to a point that under normal circumstances, they don't allow supersonic flight over ground just because of the amount of uh, sound and all of that 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 causes. And I can remember uh, back in the day, the Concorde landed in Reno and there was the sonic boom and we knew to prepare for it. So I do know what these sound like. However, the technology to prevent this from happening or at least minimize it is something that could be very beneficial, especially if you're trying to be stealthy. And certainly on certain situations like military jets, that is important and other flying things. So basically, you know, um, Planes are an example of a sonic boom. The uh, crack of a bullwhip, that's also a sonic boom. It's just a smaller thing, so it's not as loud, but it's the same basic thing that's happening. So um, what's happening is, you know, when an object moves through fluid, it creates pressure waves in front and behind it. And the waves travel at the speed of sound. So for an aircraft, as the aircraft increases, these waves are squished together. And when the aircraft reaches the speed of sound, they merge into a single shock wave, and that's what creates the boom. So the technology that prevents this manipulates those waves. And um, apparently they've been able to do it in such a way that they're successfully being able to prevent this. So it's going to be interesting to see what this happens and hopefully they demonstrate it. Um, As far as how they did this, it just says it's a secret. (laughs) And I couldn't (laughs) seem to get any more comment on that. So if we were to sit here and speculate, that might not be the best idea, but at least it's possible. At least so they say so. And I think it is. I've, would believe that this can be done. So, kind of cool. NASA begins work to retire the space station. So, International Space Station is set to retire in 2030. And um, that date was extended. It was originally going to be earlier than that, but it's 2030 now. And one of the issues is how to deorbit it, because, you know, I don't want to end up as junk in orbit, and you certainly wouldn't want it to crash in your backyard. That might make it difficult to mow the lawn. Um, so, you know, they're talking about now possibly landing it in the ocean or something like that. They're looking to award a contract, which will be given to a provider that is capable of doing this. And uh, that's going to be probably be done in June. So there's some things out there. They're just laying the groundwork for it now. Um, maybe some other kind of propellant 
a spacecraft to push it down or something like that. So um, we have six years to still work this out. And a lot can happen in tech, as we all well know, in six years. Oh, yeah. But um, it's weird to think that this thing's getting to the end of its life. There's been so much. And it's been continuously occupied since it was originally created with stuff being added on to it. So, you know, I want to put an add on on my house. I think it'd be more expensive to do that on the space station. But they've achieved it. So, you know, kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, I, I I didn't even think about the idea that they would retire it and remove it. So I was kind of surprised. So I, I wasn't really thinking about the possibility that this thing that they build up there could age and just need to be replaced. Yeah, and it just, it happens. Tech ages out, plus stuff gets old. And, you know, there's a lot of space junk. I know we've talked about this in the past on the show that, uh, it would be nice if we could deorbit all of that too, but at least this one's being looks like it's going to be handled correctly. Okay, we have another NASA story. NASA finally opens asteroid sample container. Yeah, so we've been talking about this as it's come back. This is a sample container that was returned after picking up uh, material from an asteroid. This has been a mission that's been ongoing for quite some time. But they ran into some problems. I, last time I mentioned this is kind of like, you know, everything seems to have that one rusty nut when you want to take it apart. And part of why this is being handled in the way it is, is you don't want the contents contaminated with the Earth's environment. So it's not like you can just cut it open or something. And what happened is, is they couldn't get the lid off of it properly. So it went to the extent that they finally had to design new tools. And that's what they ended up doing, but they've gotten into it. There's about 8.8 ounces of rock and dust, 250 grams for anyone that uses the metric version of that. And this has huge, huge scientific value as long as the material is real and not contaminated. And that's, you know, so it's worth the extra time to do it. But I can tell you, we have some scientists that have just been chopping at the bit. It's like, you know, (laughs) when you're a kid on Christmas morning, oh, I want want to get, I want to open it, I want to open it. And we're expecting to be able to, and then, oh, it's going to be another, what, four months. <laughs> I hate waiting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The .NET domain name prices are going to increase on February 1st. Yeah, this is just one of those things. So domain registries, so your internet name ends in a dot .whatever. Um, in the early days of the internet, that would usually be .com, .org, .net, and some government stuff, and then edu for universities. Of course, in recent years, that's expanded out to a number of different things, .net being one of the original ones, and they're bumping up their fees February 1st by a buck. So if you own one domain name, that's probably not a big deal, but for those of us that have a lot, especially in that registry, maybe go in and renew for a year or two, you know, save some money, and if you have 100 domains and save 100 bucks, hey, that's almost a coffee at Starbucks these days. So it's probably worth doing. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know, a little aside on this topic, too. I uh, have to make a decision on this, but um, the longest domain name that I've owned has been since 1998, and it's livinghistory.org. And we've used this in the past, and I've... Uh, We've had different websites up and different organizations. We used to do Renaissance Reenactment, which is where that came from. And I've got someone wanting to buy it. And I, you know, the nostalgia seems to be going away because the amount being offered keeps going up. Oh. And my feeling on it is, is that, you know, it's it's interesting to look at this stuff. But really, 
domains that end in .org, .com, .net are getting harder and harder to just get. Right. So it seems like there is a certain amount of value to especially ones that are easier to deal with. But, yeah, I have yeah. one. And I think mine might be older than yours. I don't know. Which one is it? Porlamarit. Oh, org. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly nearer. If it's not uh-huh. older, it's near it. Um, yeah. You know, you've had that for a while, too. And uh, so if anybody asks, Perlamarit is a medal that was awarded in Germany. And um, the website specializes in who won the award and the history of it and all that kind of stuff. And something Gretchen's been working on for a long time now. So I've kind of neglected it. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's uh, the code now, you know, everything has changed. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, it has, but hey. (laughs) All right. Homeland Security warns federal agencies of hackers targeting Google Chrome Excel spreadsheets. All right. So what do we all use? I know I use Excel. I use Google spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. I know. Gretchen, Bill, do you guys use spreadsheets? Yeah. I do. I do. Do you do you use the micro? Do you use? I know Gretchen, you use Open Office for some stuff. I well, I just started to have to use the Excel sheets on Chrome because my Open Office is acting weird. Yeah, I don't know. As far as all of these things go, there's three places now. There used to be a lot more, and I'm sure there's other software out there. But there's three primary places if you do a spreadsheet these days, and that's going to be uh, Open Office, which is a free to use piece of software that's like Microsoft Office, just open source, mm-hmm. um, that usually works pretty well. I know, Gretchen, you've been having some trouble, but for the most part, I hear good things yeah. about it. And Office, Office 365 or whatever version you're using now with Excel, and then Google Sheets, which is a um, spreadsheet program that works through Google Workspaces online and is free to use. So primarily, if you've got two of the three of these that are being affected, then um, that's Probably most of them out there. So you want to be careful. So Excel, it's a problem in the application that there's a way to execute code by sending malicious stuff to you. And if you open it up, it can give a hacker access to your computer. The one on Chrome is a little bit more worrisome, I think, because the problem with it is actually something more to do with the browser than the spreadsheet thing, again, for allowing access to be able to run applications. And what they do on that, if you want to get into the... uh, kind of the nuts and bolts of it a little bit is you have sections of memory that are normally not accessible that are used to hold things that are um, either accessed or left over from when the application ran and are abandoned and these kind of things. And that bug allows hackers to get into that area, but that may contain the password you just put in or something like that. So it's ability to get access to information that should remain private and exploit it. So you know, these type of a things. Um, Chrome's pushed out an update to fix it. Microsoft, I believe, has done the same thing. So best oh, really? thing, like any of these things, you want to keep your updates in place. Just make sure your stuff's updated. That's about yeah, the best you can do. Yeah, because I saw something about Google Chrome wanting to do push an app update. Yeah. And, uh, I know for a fact Chrome's sending, either has sent or is just about to send one out. Um, the one on Excel I was reading, I couldn't find out if they've released it or not yet, but uh, it's in the works. Okay. So in any event, it's just, you know, again, what can you do about it? Not a whole lot. The only way you can be completely safe is to disconnect your computer from the internet. Obviously we can't do that most of the time. So, you know, yeah. just make sure you keep things upgraded. And um, 
And that's kind of the best you can do. And just don't open malicious links or, in other words, links and emails that you don't know where they came from, stuff like that. You got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Opera MyFlawBug could let hackers run any file on your Mac or Windows. Speaking of which, <laughs> this is actually, okay, Opera is a web browser that's made by Apple that's used on the Mac, but there is a Windows version of it. So it's definitely out there and a lot of people do use it. It's not as much as like Chrome or Edge or, um, you know, one of those, but uh, it's definitely one that's used by a lot of people. And the part of this is actually something called MyFlow. That's the real name of the application that's been compromised. Uh, they call it MyFlaw because, well, you know, and what it is, is it's something that synchronizes passwords and other things between devices. So if you have your iPhone and your iPad and your iMac, it handles, you know, that kind of a relationship. And certainly because of that's a big part of what it does, you really don't want that being compromised because there's going to be secure information in there that could allow someone to hack into your computer. So again, updating is the solution to this. And that's, again, the best you can do, but it's just something to be aware of. And just again, and I know I've just said this three times, just keep the software up to date. That's that's the best way to fix this stuff. Family burns $10,000 worth of Disney Plus gift cards. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess this is where you definitely want to remember to read the fine print. So the gist of this is uh, something that happened, I think it was last year, a uh, family purchased $10,000 worth of gift cards to take a trip to Disneyland. The only problem was they didn't realize it, and the gift cards they got would only work for Disney Plus, the streaming service. Yeah. Now, uh, in the discussion on this that was out on TikTok and some other places, They were talking about, well, this would be enough for them to be subscribers for something like 70 years. Although my comment, which uh, got some interesting feedback, is that the rate Disney's raising prices, maybe not so long. But um, it definitely is a situation where you got to be careful because the one thing about gift cards, while they're certainly safer than something like sending a check through the mail or whatever for gifts, is they do only work for their intended purpose. And there are companies that will buy gift cards back, but they give you a lot less than their value and that type of a thing. They're also difficult to sell on your own because the buyer doesn't know for sure if the value is still there. You know, so it's it's one of those type of things. Now, in this particular case, after this whole thing went viral, Disney did get involved and allowed them to switch them over to the kind of gift cards that they wanted them to be. And it's also interesting here because you look at this stuff, the Disney gift cards will work for Disney Plus. But the Disney Plus gift cards will not work for Disneyland. I don't oh. know how that's intelligent, but it's so what it is. So why don't they just have the one kind that works for everything? Well, I asked that question and uh-huh. didn't get uh, really a direct response. The best thing that one of our listeners made a comment on was just, well, maybe it's some kind of an accounting thing, which is probably the best guess that I could give too. I mean, it would make more sense if they were like two different things. So Disney Plus uses a Disney Plus card and Disneyland uses their card. But one works for both, but the other doesn't. And why have both? I don't know. Um, I really don't know the answer to that. And they said that while Disney did take care of it, it was a bit of a hassle because there were 100 gift cards in total. They had to send images of the back of all the cards via email. There's file limitations on how much you can put in an email. 
So this, and the, um, these were grandparents that were in their seventies that did this. Uh So, I mean, you know, I, it just seems like that would take something that was going to be a fun trip and make it very stressful and it didn't need to happen. I'm glad Disney took care of it for them though. I mean, yeah, they could have said, well, no, we're not, you know, we're not going to help you out. They didn't do that. They got it uh, done. Well, anyway, what happened at the end of the day is the now dead gift cards, um, the family took them, um, and I wouldn't recommend this for the environment, but they burned them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it yeah. was a catharsis it, or something cathar- like that. Yeah, it was a catharsis. I would, I would think so. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so anyway, so speaking of Disney plus, and I haven't had a chance to, to really jump back on there. We're going to have to sit down and watch the, uh, um, uh, who, what is it? Who is it? What is it? What's it about? What you talked about this last week? Oh, the Marvel thing for what yeah. if? What if? Um, yeah, we've had a uh, lot of feed, listener feedback on your story on that. Really? And it do, seems do like they, overall, do they get to most people seem to. Okay, uh, we've had a few people with some interesting comments. One that uh, a person that I think I'm going to call that actually went through and I guess screen captured it and found all kinds of flaws in the uh, uh, way that it played back or some such thing. And uh, I'm a little more curious to see what the deal. The with way that, that is. it played back, were they looking for Easter eggs? I, I think so, and a lot of people do that. I know with oh, my Star okay. Wars group, we do tend to spend a lot of time ripping apart the Star Wars stuff and do find some interesting things like in Mandalorian where they had Mandalorians with masks that looked like they came from the Halloween store. Yeah, you know, so they do do these things sometimes. I noticed that too. I thought some of the the masks looked a little little uh, low budget, and I thought, why didn't you just grab some of the Mandalorian mercs from a you know, a comic con, they would have looked fine. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, so these things happen, yeah. but there's also another, there. um, show that's, um, pretty good. It's, it's, it's for kids. It's Percy Jackson and the Olympians that's running okay. right now. And obviously if you have kids and they like, you know, fantasy adventure where, you know, you have kid heroes. Um, that seems pretty good. I've been watching that too. Oh, cool. Cool. So, all right, I'll have to check that out too. I've heard of that series, but I've never watched it. But hey, and another thing our listeners are asking about, and Bill, this would be in your court, is more gaming news. Um, I think they're missing some of this stuff. So uh, I don't know if they've just stopped making video games and that's why we stopped covering it. Or uh... <laughs> hey, there was a big award ceremony for some gaming people just recently. Huh. Yeah. Um, it's the GDC. Okay. That's the Gaming Developers Conference, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so maybe we can talk a little bit more about that, too, and I'll send you over some of the questions. But anyway, yeah, kind of cool. Keep them coming in. Like we we're saying at the beginning of the segment, it's user friendly dot show. We love to hear from everybody. And uh, this is how we know what to program. And we also have all of our back stuff there too. previous seasons our version 1.0 of user friendly is up there and a number of other things. So it's kind of cool to check it out and, and deal with it again. User friendly dot show. After the break, we're going to be talking CES. And Prairie Fryer, we will be right back. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Glad to still have you here. We've got some great interviews coming up. We're going to be going out to Prairie Fire and talking to the people there on what they are doing, which is something actually very unique and cool. 
Uh, it's a take on a firing range that's very different from anything I've seen. So it's going to be kind of fun to check that out. And then afterwards, we are going to be joined by Chaz in Las Vegas to cover this year's CES. A lot of things are going on there, a lot of great things. He says it's his favorite show so far. So we're going to have to figure out what happened that was so great this year and what they actually talked about. We do have an interview from the floor from a company called LTech Lansing. I think I'm saying that right. Coming to that as well. So let's drop into our first interview with Prairie Fire. Chaz, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. How's everything? Doing good. Plugging along. I hear you got some guests for us today. Absolutely. I had the opportunity to visit Prairie Fire, a great friend and colleague of mine, Levi Rogers, Senior Vice President of Revenue and Hospitality for Prairie Fire, invited me to be an affiliate. And I had the opportunity to visit the Prairie Fire experience, and I had a great tour, and it's just an awesome, uh, you know, facility. And with us today, we have Lanny Barnes, the Chief Experience Officer at Prairie Fire, and we also have Sonny Leggett, Chief Communications Officer at Prairie Fire. And with us, they're going to have uh, a great informational piece that they're going to tell us all about Prairie Fire and. Welcome to the show. Yeah, great to have you here. So let's go, let's go ahead and start at the beginning. What is Prairie Fire? Yeah, so Prairie Fire is a magnificent piece, a, a peaceful destination, and a beautiful valley surrounded by mountain peaks just 45 minutes out from the Strip in Las Vegas, where for the first time ever, uh, we've curated special operations-inspired unique experiences uh, for our guests and members, and that'll challenge them. They're fun. Uh, most importantly, it'll elevate the bonds of friendship and the power of teamwork and the development of leadership uh, while building extreme trust. All that to say, it's a phenomenal uh, campus of shooting, 550 acres that offer just the most magnificent shooting experience and day of your life. Before we start, I had a chance to look at you know some of your stuff. Tell us what sets you apart from other ranges and you know different things like that. It's a great question. So we actually have, um, like Sunny said, we have 50 ranges, but we also offer opportunities for people to do things that we, uh, you know, think outside the box where you're running and gunning in, in canyons, uh, night shotgun shoots, uh, a lot of different unique opportunities that you might not be able to experience at a lot of different places around the country. So it looks like you guys host special events out there throughout the year. Can you tell us a little bit about not only what's coming up, but what that is and, and what's involved? Yeah, we do a series of, of special events throughout the year. Uh, a lot of them are you know, really anchored around a core principle of who Prairie Fire is, which is uh, we're unabashedly patriotic um, about our commitment to and our support for uh, those who serve our country, whether it's military, whether it's uh, law enforcement, first responders. And so a lot of our events are, are centered around those activities, whether it be Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Veterans Day. Uh, just this past week, thank you to all the first responders. It was, uh, it was National Law Enforcement Day, so I want to recognize them. Um, but we do a series of events, and, in, and one of the things we do at Prairie Fire is we talk about going beyond the gun. And what that means is growth happens on the range. And a lot of that growth is, is not just the physical aspects of what you learn how to do, but how you learn how to handle uh, situations, with, whether it's because you're uncomfortable with it, you know, handling a firearm for the first time, or learning and growing and, and challenging yourself. 
So we have uh, you know, runs out there uh, that are meant to inspire you and support good causes. Uh, we'll, we'll host a series of events, shooting events and competitions. Uh, and as you mentioned this week, we've, or, uh, on January 21st, we have Beyond the Berm coming up, which is our initial inaugural uh, SHOT Show Week event to host vendors and guests out at Prairie Fire to really experience not just Prairie Fire, but see what is new in the market from, from various vendors across the industry. I was reading a little bit about that. So let's dive into that a little bit more. You have vendors. Is this something where people would come and stay or, or how would you interact with that? And what's a day like with that? Yeah, so I'll, I'll uh, throw that out there. So our, our first event is on Sunday, the 21st, and we have vendors from all over the firearms industry anything from firearms manufacturers to, uh, you know, uh, manufacturers that make accessories and, and things like that within the, the firearms community um, coming out to showcase their products. Um, so SHOT Show every year is, is a great place uh, for um, manufacturers to uh, launch their, their new products and then also talk about the things that their, their company uh, is going to be doing um, in 2024. So we have a lot of those vendors coming out to SHOT Show where they're going to um, show those uh, products to the general public. It's it, Our uh, event is open to the, to the public from uh, 10 to 5 p.m. And then we have a lot of other activities that we're doing um, as well, uh, our own activities from a really awesome competition to a running race to uh, training classes and, and pretty much everything in, in between. I see what you're saying. I mean, this is a lot more than you would have just if you went out to a range for the day. So information on that, uh, go ahead and actually give us your website. So uh, because this is going to start tomorrow, it sounds like. Where would people go to get additional information? Yeah, so you'd go to uh, prairiefire.com. That's P-R-A-I-R-I-E-F-I-R-E.com. And you'll click on the uh, the pop-up screen as it comes up to take you to our events registration page. Um, you can also search Beyond the Berm um, for Prairie Fire, and that'll take you to our events uh, page. And, and from there, you can see the list of events, not just on Sunday, January the, the 21st, but also Monday and throughout the week. Um, and then we invite you to register. We're, we look forward to really hosting um, as Lenny mentioned, uh, members who are not and guests who are not members of the media out there to see the vendors, to see Prairie Fire and to, to sample our experiences. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, I know you mentioned earlier that uh, you support very much law enforcement, military and you know all of our warriors. Um, and to that end, I noticed one of the other things you had listed was the Wounded Warriors Project, which is something that I know personally I support. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your other charities? Uh, yeah, we, you know, obviously we have a lot of staff that is is uh, former military and even law enforcement, and and we're at Prairie Fire very uh, huge supporters of that community. And so one of our our main goals is to give back as much as possible. And and we have a 5K running race on uh, Sunday the 21st, um, and all proceeds will go to the Wounded Warrior Project. And you know they've done some amazing amazing things for our veterans. And so we're just trying in our own little way to, to give back to that community. Oh, that's amazing. Wonderful. Thank you for doing that. So let me ask you this. Is there anything else you want to tell us? Yeah, I, I would uh, certainly encourage you. You know, there is a uh, SHOT Show is a phenomenal event for the shooting industry, the outdoor industry. 
Um, and, and we will certainly be there for the week of shot uh, during, during the activities. Uh, but Beyond the Berm is an opportunity to come out to Prairie Fire to really see just the, the immaculate um, campus that we have there and to have a sampling of our offerings, uh, all while being able to see the vendors, as Lanny mentioned, and, and the, the newest uh, technology and offerings that each of those have. But it's also about being able to come out and, and have um, time with those who share an affinity for uh, not just the gun industry and for shooting sports, but also those who, who also you know, support our first responders and our military. We have a, a ton of great events, not just Sunday the 21st, but also Monday. Our, our sister company, Staccato, is, is running a range day. Um, we'll have six hour out there, a lot of great companies um, and training classes throughout the week. Uh, competition goes through the week where you can actually have the opportunity to win uh, staccato with with a, a, another teammate or two staccatos. Um, we have ladies classes uh, taught by female only instructors, you know, nice, uh, non-intimidating atmosphere for women that that really want to get out and learn how to use a firearm and a little bit of self-defense built, built in there. And uh, so we you know, going forward, besides all the incredible activities that we have at SHOT Show, um, we're going to try to offer a little bit of something for everybody, you know, besides our fitness opportunities where we have, uh, you know, running races, we have the ropes course, uh, you know, things like that. Um, we're going to try to do more youth classes, ladies classes, uh, you know, all of our incredible training opportunities that we have now. Uh, we have five stands, sporting clays, uh, you can shoot out to a mile. Uh, there's so many things. There's a little bit of something for everybody. So if you if you have uh, one passion or or you know something that you really enjoy, we probably have it on the list of things that we do at Prairie Fire. And if not, come out and try them all, and and you might uh, find that you uh, might appreciate a new passion for something. So um, we're excited to to open our doors to the the entire community, not just the firearms community, but but anybody and everybody that wants to come out and try something new. That's absolutely wonderful. And we'll have a link to your website on our social media here at userfriendly.show. So check it out there. And I'm looking forward to hearing back on what happens this week with your uh, with your event. It's too cool. I've never heard of anything like that before. So this is really special. And I can't wait to know and see what see what actually comes of it. Yeah, we're pretty excited. A, a very fun day of celebrating uh, firearms and, and the, the incredible community that we have that's coming to Vegas for an entire week. and. Um, we're excited to open our doors for for everybody that's that's going to be uh, descending on on Vegas and and happy to uh, you know share some incredible memories with them. Well, we really appreciate the opportunity, Bill and Chaz, and we appreciate you setting this up. Sonny Lenny, thank you so much for joining us. All right, back here in the studio, joining me, Chaz. Welcome to User Friendly. Hey, Bill Gretchen, how are you? Hey there. Doing good, doing good. We just got to hear your interview or our interview with uh, Prairie Fire. And, I've, you know, listening to it again, that sounds like such an amazing experience. I know you got to actually go out there, which must have been a blast. So, it was a blast. Uh, I mean, literally yes. and figuratively, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, my daughter and I went out there. She's 15. First time she ever uh, picked up a weapon. We had a coach that was extremely professional. Uh, Sophia was so comfortable. Uh, she's a natural, and we got to tour the the entire facility. 
Uh, it was just an amazing experience. Yes. And they have a giant um, obstacle course, which I'm going to be getting in shape. <laughs> well, that sounds, sounds like that fun. sounds amazing. And they're starting their show tomorrow. So anybody that's in the area, or if you can get down there, check it out because it sounds like something awesome. But like they said in the interview, they do stuff throughout the year. And I know a lot of information's up on their website too. So that was in the interview as well. So check both of those things out. It's it's really cool. And send us your questions. Well, Chaz, in addition to that, you've been busy. You got to go to the Consumer Electronics Show, which just wrapped up. And um, I know you have an interview, which we'll get to in a little bit from the floor, but why don't you give us, you had said before we started recording today that it was your favorite show of all the ones you've gone to. Tell us a little bit about your feeling with it and just give us the 10,000 foot overview. Well, the 10,000 foot, and then I'll get into a little bit of details. You know, the the experience itself, just, you know, being able to park easily, getting to the, uh, uh, you know, the showrooms, the, the floor, it's all the flow of the entire event is great because what you do is you park at Resorts World, you get a player's card, and parking is free as long as you have that card. You go downstairs, you pay five bucks for round trip to uh, the convention center and back in a Tesla. I mean, through the boring tunnel. You get to the CES, you check in, and it's just amazing. But, you know, the, it, it's the most exciting and most relaxing CES I've ever been to and remind me to expound upon the relaxing part. But you know, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. This year's uh, you know, they, they focus more on the interaction with individuals rather than the group demos, which of course they still had the group demos, but it was just great being able to have that interactive experience, actually sitting in the new gaming chair technology experiencing the sound from Altec Lansing, the, the, the visuals, and getting to the relaxing part was Daiwa uh, massage chairs, which was just amazing. And all of this you're going to be able to see on our social media. Amazing. I think, you know, I personally think after seeing that, a massage chair should be something that's just like a business expense for me. I mean, uh, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, you'd yes. never get any work done if you just sat there in those chairs. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But hey, you know, we, we're focusing on relaxing this year. I'm just trying to go with the flow. Uh, <laughs> yep. So we're going to, we're actually going to get to that interview here in just a minute. But the one thing I wanted yep. to ask you about first is because something everybody's been talking about is that there was a lot of focus this year on AI and robotics. Do you agree with that? And did you see that at the show? I, I didn't see so much robotics, which it was there as much as the AI that you're speaking of. It was um, interaction focused with AI and wrapped in that it's all becoming a singularity in a way. AR, VR, gaming chairs, transparent TV technology. It, it's just all coming together into one. You know, and the UC wind slash road VR design software it was it was just amazing what you can create and experience on your own creativity you know so yes that is definitely uh something that they are focused on is ai you know it's it's interesting to me because ai is nothing real new i mean ai has been around for a while but this kind of uh what happened last year with the generative ai and machine learning and kind of the developments in that area is pretty new. So it's interesting to see how fast a lot of this is starting to come to market and actually appear. And I know, you know, I was thinking about this even a year ago because my, my other life, I'm a programmer. So 
I work with a lot of this kind of stuff and I work with a lot of AI now for even just writing code. Now, I haven't been fired from my job and I don't think I'm going to anytime soon, but it does help. And I can imagine that seeing this deployed kind of across the spectrum must have been interesting, but we've got to think they really got it to CES with a very short development window if you were really seeing a good implementation of all these things. What's something that stood out to you? I know the, the massage chairs, but that would I think that would have <laughs> sat out to me. Dun, 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 yeah. But, uh, <laughs> what? but, but, but what's, what would be your one favorite thing that you saw? Uh, the LG Labs Alpha, Alphable, I think it's pronounced, Alpha Able vehicle. There is a 45-inch curved screen for your dashboard. The steering wheel, if you want to drive yourself, comes out of the center and unfolds. There, the, the chairs swivel completely around. This chair, which you see it on uh, user-friendly social media, you're going to be so impressed. But LG Labs, their products alone, are what really stood out, like the, the Duke Box, which is a interactive um, ultimate audio video experience, which just really impressed me with the sound. And it, I don't know, the what else? The, uh, the, the, the cat, not cabin, um, the trailer, the, the little camping cart type thing, called the Bon Voyage. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't really know what to call it, um, but I would guess, you know, camper. Um, the inside of that was just amazing. So LG Labs as a whole is what really stood out to me out of the whole show. But the alphable car is the main focus. Yep. I know that's a, that's amazing. Yeah, LG was actually on the, Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The pictures, no, we got to. And LG on that front was also one of the ones, the, one of the biggest things just in the general market was a walking, talking smart home robot that they have as part of their zero labor home initiative. This is also LG Labs. So I can understand where you're coming from with uh, this and audio and recognition. All right, so we've been talking about all of that. Let's go ahead and go to the floor and uh, see about what you actually got to see. Yes, Bill, we're back on the floor of CES 2024, and it is just uh, the best year, I believe, ever. We have an amazing group of exhibitors and companies here that the technology has just astounded me. And we're here with uh, Melissa Hoistin with Altec Lansing. She is the Vice President of Marketing. And we're going to give her an opportunity to tell us a little about the advancements in technology, upcoming products, and pretty much whatever she'd like to uh, fill us in on. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. So, um, Altec Lansing is a uh, music brand. We, we uh, launched in 1927. Um, we were we had speakers in Woodstock. You know, kind of a, a whole lot of firsts for us. We were one of the first uh, speakers to attach to your uh, computer back in the day. You know, I mean, all the way up. We have a, a big heritage brand of, of music and music innovation. Here at CES uh, 2024, we are launching two very interesting things. Actually, um, we have brought that technology to kids' headphones. So one of the cool things that we've got out right now is kid-friendly 
active noise canceling headphones. Now that was a big mouthful, so let me explain what that is. <laughs> so active noise canceling, you put them on and it blocks out all of the outside noise, so all you hear is your music, okay? Now what kid-friendly means is it limits the decibels that the kids can listen to your music to. So you can't like turn it all the way up and blow your ears out. You're only allowed to go up to 85 decibels, which keeps little kids' ears from, you know, damage. So when you put the two together, you've got children who can listen to music if they want to do their schoolwork or, you know, they're just watching YouTube videos or all of that. Keeps the volume at a, at a kid-safe volume and it blocks out all of the noise around them so, you know, you're not getting a lot of interference. Um, these are actually already in market. You can buy them at any Walmart or Target and they're $29.99 and they are super, super cool. We got them in a zillion and a half colors so any kid can find uh, the color preference that they like. That's a great product, very cost-effective for the outcome of the safety of the kids' ears, and uh, that's great. I remember using Altec Lansing uh, a, a long time ago, and I, 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 know. I still have a pair of speakers. Yes. Taken, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what do you see for the future of other products or anything you'd like to see coming? So one of the other things that, that we do is obviously speakers, um, and some, there's some really cool advancement in speaker technology with, you know, back when Bluetooth first started, it was very, you know, you could only pair one device to one speaker, um, and, you know, and you were kind of very limited. But as things have been evolving, now you can do multi pairing so you can have multiple uh, devices attached to a speaker you can do multiple speakers so you like our our Hydra 2 line you can actually pair a hundred speakers together place them all around your whole house and now you got some serious house surround sound that's amazing yeah and it's just the evolution of technology that's allowing us to do that kind of stuff is there any advancements in surround sound or placing you in, in the environment uh, just to there, there is definitely, you know, I mean, there's advancements in, in all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, the, the true wireless pairing and all of that kind of helps give you that surround sound volume. Um, but yeah, all of that is really... And then the other thing is, Bluetooth has evolved. It used to be that Bluetooth connections, you, you kind of dropped a lot of the, the, the nuances and the music and you couldn't hear everything. But um, Bluetooth has actually come quite a long way now. I mean, and it's much better when you're streaming. It's You're, you're getting more of the sound quality than you used to be able to. So it's actually really cool. It has. Well, I appreciate your time today. And Definitely. Enjoy CES 2024. We look forward to seeing you next year. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay, so I still want a massage chair. I, that's still on my list of things to get. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So the other thing you mentioned that I thought was interesting, what is a transparent television? Well, just a piece of glass, and all of a sudden you have a picture. I mean, you can see through it. Um, it, it the the 3D technology in some of these that weren't transparent is still amazing. You'll see that on user-friendly social media as well. But everything has advanced so much that it's you have to see it for yourself to appreciate it. And uh, but like I said, the transparent TVs are just that piece of glass, transparent. See through it. Turn it on. You're watching TV. And speaking of TVs, I have to say that I was impressed with that laser projecting projector technology has really, you know, it's really amazing as well. They have a 120-inch Vanish laser TV, and it's by AWOL Vision. Not absent without leave, I don't guess, but AWOL Vision, nevertheless. And it's hey, maybe just it is. <laughs> yeah, absent. Yeah. But yeah, that, that TV was just 
it was crazy. I mean, just to see the picture on that from a laser projector. I can just I can just imagine looking at the pictures, but in person it would have been there. And you know, before we uh, went to your interview, we were talking. You were talking about the LG vehicle, and it seems like automotive has been a n- number of areas here too. BMW showed uh, immersive in-car technology that they're putting together. Honda had some really interesting things, including one that I saw a picture of called the Space Hub concept model. And uh, it's a really cool looking car. Gretchen, you're actually the one that sent me that picture. Yeah, and, it, uh, it had the um, DeLorean type um, doors, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just really cool. And uh, Mercedes-Benz had a bunch of stuff out, including an AI-powered virtual assistant. Uh, that's integrated in their cars to, you know, do different various things. Now, uh, assistants like those have been in cars for a little while now, but it's actually becoming more and more part of the system. Even Hyundai had some stuff that they were showing off on some concept cars and different things that they're going to be announcing and launching, hopefully, in the next couple of years. So it's kind of amazing to see the direction this is going. This is why I like shows like this, because it shows what's up in the future. So we've got a few seconds here. Chaz, do you have anything else you want to tell us? Well, just a bit on Hyundai, that the Mobion is the prototype car that they're working on right now. And a couple of disappointing things about CS this year is that there was hardly any swag. You know, I'm big on the swag, mm. but it just... Yeah, oh yeah, we all there. are. Yep. And, uh, you know, there were box launches. So aside from those two items, CES 2024 was a uh, great success. Definitely worth doing. If you got there, let us know what you think. Userfriendly.show. Until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2013 to 2024 by User Friendly Media Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed on the show are those of the hosts and guests and not this radio station. Please check out userfriendly.show for airtimes and podcasts.